Before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to shout out a podcast that might be interesting to all of you listeners. I've got Susan here, one of the hosts of the podcast, to tell you all about it. Hi, everyone. I'm Susan Beck, one of the hosts of Peas in a Pod. We are a podcast that highlights the perspectives, passions, and other peas, as we like to say, of Princeton students. And we are launching our season three right now. So our first episode of season three will be released on October 30th. Awesome. So what does Peas in a Pod actually look like episode to episode? Our first season and our third season are going to look the same. Our second season was done over the summer and obviously it was done at a very unusual time. So it looked very different. But season one and season three, each episode is a different Princeton student or alum. They sit down and they basically tell their perspective, passion, pitch, problem, pursuit, and they explain a problem they see in the world, a pitch for that problem. But I think for listeners of Tell Me About Your Job, one cool P is pursuit. All the students talk about where they see themselves going in life and all of that. Um, But also just listening to the perspectives of different Princeton students is a very unique opportunity to look into the world of higher education. I think you're totally right. I think a lot of our listeners are you know, high school or college age students. So hearing from other university students about their passions or their pursuits or just different things about their life, I think could be really interesting and really helpful to them. Do you have any uh, social media or anything you'd like to shout out? So you can go ahead and follow us on Instagram at Peas in a Pod. Everywhere else, we're on Twitter at Peas in a Pod Network and LinkedIn, we're at Peas in a Pod. Okay, awesome. And we'll have those linked below in the show notes as well. Susan, it was uh, great to have you on here. Thank you so much for having me. Now back to the show. Hi, welcome back to Tell Me About Your Job, the show where we learn the ins and outs of different professions straight from the professionals themselves. If you've ever wondered what different jobs are actually like, then you're in great company. Whether you're looking for a career change or just figuring out a college major, then this is the show for you. Hi, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Josh Nasser. I'm joined today by Jen Smith, who's a quality assurance analyst at Trimble Maps in Oklahoma City. Jen, how are you today? I'm great, Josh. How are you? I'm awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Of course, anytime. So let's jump right into it, Jen. Tell me about your job. I'm a quality assurance analyst at Trimble Maps. Uh, I specifically test software. Uh, Essentially, my job is to make sure that New enhancements and defects that have been fixed stay fixed and that the new enhancements function the way that is specified in documentation. Okay, cool. So how long have you been doing that and how did you get started doing it? I've been doing that roughly five years. I started out at the company I work for now as a tech support analyst. I kept noticing that when I would update a customer's software to fix something that was broken, I would get a call back saying, well, this part is fixed, but now A, B, and C are not working. (laughs) So I I just started noticing this pattern that our new builds didn't seem to be going through testing before we gave them out. I just kind of had offhanded conversations with a couple of my superiors. Essentially, I was like, hey, you know, if 
we ever get a QA department, I think I would want to be a part of this because it seems like something we need is testing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and next thing I know, within several months, I am the tester for <laughs> one of our products. And since then, I've been the forerunner of establishing testing procedures for five different applications that our company develop and support. So it's it's definitely not something you, you saw yourself doing originally. You just kind of found your way into it. Yes, as surprising as that may seem, I did not grow <laughs> up aspiring to be a quality assurance analyst. <laughs> uh, I honestly didn't know that QA was really a thing outside of, say, manufacturing. Uh, uh-huh. until I started working for tech and noticed the importance of testing the software to make sure that it meets its specifications. Yeah, definitely. So since you didn't plan on going into this, maybe there's not a great specific answer to this, but what type of education would somebody need to kind of get into QA? Well, um, generally speaking, having a bachelor's degree, you would want that. Of course, it would be most beneficial to have your degree of study in something computer science related. Mm -hmm. Um, That is not what I had. My bachelor's (laughs) degree is in business administration. Um, Mm -hmm. My major was marketing and I've never worked in marketing, (laughs) but uh, I've tangentially kind of applied the principles of marketing to being able to see needs and <laughs> adapting to them. So that's a big reason why I ended up in quality assurance is yeah, yeah. being able to see trends like that. Well, that's kind of cool because it kind of shows people like, hey, your college experience, your college degree matters, but it maybe doesn't matter what it's in as much as you think it might. Obviously, there are some things that can help you, but you're not disqualifying yourself from every job out there by focusing in a certain area. It also has a lot to do with like for my my situation was that I graduated with my undergrad right after the recession in 2008 hit. Mm -hmm. So the job market for marketing in in general wasn't that great, but even less so for Oklahoma. So um, I just kind of had to roll with the punches on that one and (laughs) um, just kind of figure out where might I be best suited that's available. And that's how I ended up working in tech. And I'm really glad I did because it's an exciting field to be in. So speaking of it being an exciting field, what does your day-to-day actually look like? Maybe more interesting <laughs> because <laughs> uh, it really depends on uh, what project I'm working on. It depends on how close to a release that particular project is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one I've been most recently working on is still sort of in its infancy to where it's not having releases pushed out every quarter in a traditional sense. There's kind of a special arrangement going on. I won't go too much into the detail of that, but I haven't had that pressure of having to go through what's called regression testing every quarter. So I've been able to establish some really good groundwork for documenting test procedures and actually executing the tests as those things are being built out, which Mm -hmm. I haven't had quite that opportunity in other projects because I have been brought in to a legacy project that has been around for 10, 15 years and couldn't find any testing documentation anywhere. So I basically (laughs) had to, I was 10, 15 years behind in that. (laughs) And others I was brought in later, in a later phase. So the one I'm on right now, day to day, I could either be writing up testing procedures 
I could be reviewing tickets or basically little batches of work that are going to be worked on and making sure that if I have any questions about how this is going to work, that I ask product management so we can get clarification ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm actually testing what is ready for testing. It just depends on where we are in a sprint cycle, which is like a two week period of planned work. So what would you say is your favorite thing about your job? My favorite part of my job would be um, the, the problem solving aspect of it. It kind of drives me crazy when I don't understand why something doesn't work. And <laughs> a lot of times I have to put that aside, especially with testing, because it's not really my job to fix it or figure out the cause. But it always helps to be able to provide that extra piece of information or that uh, condition that has to be met f- to break something. <laughs> yeah. So that's exciting when I find that stuff. And the things that I learn in this process is really exciting. I've accumulated a wealth of knowledge about almost all of our products just by picking them apart and figuring out how they're supposed to work. A few years later, next thing I know, like a lot of people are looking to me to ask questions about the domain of our product, (laughs) which is a really weird feeling because I felt like for so many years, I was just kind of improvising as I go on trying to figure out how to document this. Also, I've picked up a little bit of extra like technical hard skills along the way. Like I can take a peek under the hood at data by using SQL. I use the kind of really primitive style of SQL. <laughs> I call it streakwell. And uh, I, I'm embarrassed to let anybody that knows anything about SQL to see my queries, but they get the job done. <laughs> so, <laughs> Hey, that's all that matters yeah. a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. And because the industry in general is starting to trend more towards adopting the agile method of software development. The alternative is waterfall where it's a very like a sequential way of doing development where it leaves QA in the last uh, stage of development. So all this work is done up front by product management and developers. And probably there's missing a few steps in there, but QA is a very last stop on that. And there's not a lot of room for um, getting things fixed or anything dynamic like that. Well, agile kind of allows that flexibility in there and to get things pushed out the door faster. Mm-hmm. And because of that trend, QA is involved at many other stages of development than just the end. And it gives you, it gives me, it gives a person in QA that is on a team that does agile to have a perspective of different aspects of the development process, which I think is way more interesting than having to wait to get the documentation and then test it and then pass or fail. It also makes it sound like it would make your job way easier to be involved with some of that more planning stage than just to be handed something and said, hey, this is done, but try to test it first. Absolutely, yes. Okay, so we've gone through the things you like about your job. What are some of the hard things about being a QA tester? I would say the hardest thing in my personal experience with QA is that from what I hear is undervalued as a whole in the tech Mm -hmm. industry. It's just, I guess, because maybe it's not as glamorous. I'm not sure. But (laughs) especially since the company I work for started out as a startup many, many years ago, um, and then it grew as it got absorbed by bigger companies. And so when it was more of a startup situation, testing was an all hands on deck situation. 
everybody from all different departments was testing and that's how they got it done. Um, as the company grew and the products evolved, I think the testing just kind of fell by the wayside. Yeah. And so as I became kind of the forerunner of the testing, it always was like kind of a, an afterthought. It's like, okay, we've gotten to this point in the project. I guess we should test this now to make sure <laughs> it's okay. And I'm brought in at the 11th hour and they ask me how long it's going to take to regression test something without providing a scope of what exactly I'm supposed to test to make sure that mm -hmm. it works, which is understandable. Cause like I said, I didn't know QA was really a thing outside of manufacturing. So it's hard to know what to have prepared for somebody that's going to test something ahead of time. Yeah. Um, and so it, it kind of felt like I was playing table tennis with <laughs> estimating how long something's going to take. Well, it's like, I'd always have to answer a question with another question. So it's, how long is this going to take? Well, what exactly am I testing? <laughs> Just make sure it works. Um, but what? <laughs> so yeah. uh, it, it can get frustrating. It's definitely gotten better over the years because I've been able to put aside, because I kind of had a tendency to panic about that when, when mm -hmm. um, but I've learned over time to just give the uh, concrete details of, I need this, this, and this before I can give you, we can even start talking about how long it's going to take for me to test this. Yeah, it's definitely trending upwards in that respect, but it, it is a little stressful trying to, because there's that impulse to want to be able to give it an answer for something like that, because you know there's some timeline that has been set that I wasn't aware of until this very moment. <laughs> so. mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like that definitely would be extremely hard to feel like you have an important role on the team, but then at the same time feel very undervalued because of maybe the priority that's put on you. Yes. Uh, like I said earlier, I think it has a lot to do with just like everybody kind of has a different perception of what exactly QA's role is, it seems. Because mm -hmm. I know it's changed for me over the years and I'm in it. So I can't imagine <laughs> like how it would look for somebody on the outside. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned something called regression testing a few times. Could yes. you kind of go into what that means? I know there's more types of testing, but the primary two that I use is, is regression testing and what I call sprint testing. Uh, sprint testing is where I test something as it is built. If it's a new feature or if it is a bug fix, I test and make sure right then and there that it works as expected. Okay. Regression testing is coming back later, closer to um, a quarterly release date. And making sure those things that I have already tested um, weeks and weeks ago still work because mm. since I've tested those things, more things have been built and more things have been fixed, which could impact the things that were once working. So it's okay. basically just double checking that things are still working as they should. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. What qualities would somebody have that you could point to and say, hey, you might be good at a job in QA. Definitely somebody that is a self learner. Cause here's how I operate. I will go in and I will dig around and I'll try to find the answer myself. I use asking anybody else as a last resort. Mm -hmm. um, just because I learn better that way, I will retain it faster if I find the answer myself and see it. Also somebody that's flexible because there's just a lot of dynamic things that happen in, in software in general mm -hmm. and a lot of shifting priorities, which can mean that you could be taken off a project and put onto another that you've never touched before, which can be pretty stressful. 
Yeah. And somebody that's a good team player, which I, I know that sounds kind of cliche, but I say that because I've heard about this. I haven't experienced it myself, but at other software companies, there's this like unspoken, like, rivalry or hostility between developers and QA testers Hmm. and which always struck me as really strange because we're all working towards the same thing, which is to deliver a product. So I don't understand where this rivalry comes from. I kind of do if people are just defensive about their work and what they're putting out there, Mm -hmm. which I understand. I empathize like uh, developers been working on something for, for, especially if it's been for a long time and then it, fails for whatever reason. I'm sure that's very frustrating. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times it can be just ambiguous requirements and I could be interpreting them differently than the developer did. So I can Mm -hmm. kind of understand where that would come from, but it's just so easy to step back and say, well, we're just trying to get this built right the first time. So we don't have to go back and do this later. There's no reason to make this personal or make it more difficult than it should be. Is it ever hard for you to tell somebody that the thing that they spent a lot of time working on doesn't work? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Because especially if it's been something that there's been a lot of back and forth on, sometimes I will catch something and I'll send it back. And then like that part will be fixed. And then I'll find something new that isn't working the way it should be. And I was like, I should have just gone, kept testing and tested that one thing instead of just stopping after sending it back because I could have caught it and sent those two things instead of just one. <laughs> and because um, I know time is valuable and I know going over like the same work. I mean, uh, this is why I don't like regression testing is because I've already been there. You know, I want to yeah. work on something new. So yeah, I definitely empathize and I feel terrible when something just keeps kind of circling the drain uh, or I should say circling the runway (laughs) as far as like getting done because I want it to be done too. Yeah. Like you said, you're all in pursuit of the same thing, which is building something right. Yeah. So as a, as a tester, what does the work-life balance look like? Do you work a lot of nights as a tester? I actually don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm fortunate enough to where I work at a company that I have never felt in any kind of pressure to work more than 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, That's awesome. Yeah, I rarely have um, worked outside of work hours. Nine times out of 10, if I do that, it's self-inflicted where <laughs> I don't feel like I can put my name on the day. So I'm just like, okay, I've, I got to get these two or three things done before I stop working because I just yeah. don't feel right <laughs> if I mm-hmm. stop here. So yeah, I'm fortunate where the culture at my company is doesn't put that pressure on me to work crazy hours and blur the lines between my job and my life. I feel like my work life does not encroach on my personal life at all. So do you feel like that's gotten any better or worse um, while working from home during COVID? It's got its checks and balances. I'm sure the line gets blurred a little bit more, but mm-hmm. um it also feels more relaxed working from home. So even if it does kind of seem to bleed over into my personal life, it it doesn't feel like I'm never home because I'm always home. Uh (laughs) (laughs) That's when I start getting worn out is when I feel like I never, like I live at the office. (laughs) (laughs) So it, it's fine if I work, you know, if I work extra for whatever reason, but it rarely happens. Yeah. And it's never inflicted by, the boss. It's it's more your own thing. Mm -hmm. That's good. 
what does the future kind of look like for you? Like, do you stay a tester forever or is there kind of a path forward to where maybe you're in charge of other testers or something? What does that kind of look like? For me specifically, I am probably not going to be a QA tester forever. I don't really have a desire to lead other QA testers. I am right now kind of looking at different paths to kind of pivot myself into uh, long-term. And I've been having dialogue about that with uh, a couple of my managers. So that's always nice too, to be able to feel like I'm not pigeonholed in the same position because mm-hmm. um, that can happen. And, and I think that has a lot to do with the company that you work for as well. Yeah. But um, because as I said earlier, QA is now at different phases of development. I have read that the actual, the first few years of a QA tester's career are the worst because mm-hmm. your pay is not great and you are not treated as well as the developers for whatever reason. And yeah. that's pretty much the two main reasons why, but it also, because you're involved at all these different stages of development, it kind of puts you in a position where you can see kind of a, a wider view of the development process and kind of what parts of it you like the most and uh, where you kind of thrive in. And so right now I'm kind of exploring what it might be like to be in UX design. And it does kind of overlap with QA in a Venn diagram. So um, from what I've learned so far, I'm in the very early stages of exploring that. So I think that might be where I'm going or somewhere similar to that. But anybody else in QA, yes, they can be in QA as long as they want to, because I think it's always in demand. Um, You can be a manual tester as long as someone will let you. And (laughs) you could either do that or kind of make a lateral move into testing automation and learn a bit of development there. And also a lot of people in QA have ended up in uh, product management. Mm. And there's also something, I forgot what it's called, but it's essentially creating quality for the just overall process, software development process. And Mm -hmm. which I think that includes like getting releases out to a customer in the best possible way. So it's basically QA for your entire development process as opposed to a specific product. And a lot of that depends on what kind of company you work for and like what types of positions they have there. That's cool. Yeah. I think like you mentioned, because you're so intimately connected with the product, because you're testing it, you're trying to maybe use it in ways that other people aren't, it really does set you up for roles elsewhere surrounding the product. Or you can just stay a tester. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, when you start out as a tester, the pay isn't great. So could you kind of get into a little bit, what does the pay actually look like for a QA tester? Sure. I looked this up. The national range for a QA analyst two ranges from, I want to say roughly 40, 42K to 82, 85K. So there's a big range there. I'm sure that has a lot to do with where you live, what company you work for, Mm -hmm. and what kind of um, technical skills you have and what kind are required for the QA testing. Because different products require different types of QA testing. Yeah, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. If you were to talk to a high schooler or a college student or, you know, somebody already out in the workforce who is listening to this and they think, hey, that sounds like something I can do. What would you recommend as some next steps for them to take to kind of move towards that? Start looking into software development, computer science, anything in there. 
I've picked up stuff like that along the way of having this job. But if I had paid closer attention to that in my earlier years, then I think Mm -hmm. it would have set me up to make things much more easy. And there is a really great tool you can use called Codecademy. Uh, I believe they have free lessons, but they also have like a pro kind where you pay for a subscription monthly, but they, they have all kinds, just such a broad range of different areas of software development. Mm -hmm. And I would say start there because it's fairly easy to go through. It builds on itself. So Mm -hmm. it's a great place to start and to kind of gauge your interest at different areas of development. Okay, cool. Thanks so much for, uh, talking to me today and kind of walking through what it looks like to be a QA analyst. Thanks, Josh. All right. Have a great one. You too. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you liked it, make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, share with a friend, or use the new donate button down in the show notes. If you're interested in peas in a pod, make sure to check them out wherever you get your podcasts or on social media. As always, catch you guys later.